with a prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, once again blessing us with your holy word. As we look into the life and the ministry of the prophet Daniel, help us to see ways that we can express our love for you more clearly, more dearly, and more daily. In Jesus' name, amen. When we picked up last time, we uh, uh, had um, looked at some introductory things about Daniel, about the basic time when he lived. Do you have a ballpark number in your head? A clear number, maybe with two zeros, for about when Daniel lived? <laughs> that doesn't have two zeros. I want a basic number. How about 600? Can we throw that out there for a ballpark for Daniel? Around 600. Um, uh, uh, and uh, that's a pretty good date. Then living well into the, uh, the low 500s, um, 530s maybe, maybe even 520s, however long Daniel lived, if he lived to be 90 or so, or, or however long it was. We saw last time that the book is divided into two pieces, the captivity of Daniel and what I'm calling the apocalypse of Daniel, the visions, um, a little bit later in the book. We will see today, if we get that far, that uh, once again, as we talked about last time, that Daniel's written in two languages. Quick test for you. What are the two languages? Hebrew and Aramaic. That's right, Hebrew and Aramaic. About equally divided in half in this book. Um, it's less than that in Ezra. There's just a little bit of Aramaic, a couple chapters, really a couple of letters. Uh, one verse in Jeremiah, two words in Genesis. But that's the, basically the Aramaic of the, of the Old Testament. Um, Daniel deals with four kings of Babylon and or Persia. The big one is Nebuchadnezzar. Then there is a crown prince named Belshazzar who seems to be reigning at the same time as his father, who was Nabonidus, whose name never comes up in the book. But Belshazzar never reigned apart from Nabonidus. So somehow Daniel calls him king, and that's fine. Um, but that's, that's that guy. And then there is a Darius and there is a Cyrus. And we'll talk more about them as we get to their chapters a little bit later, around long about chapter 6 and what happens with them. And then what we've seen is that um, the Babylonian captivity, uh, to, in order just to get started, took 21 years. And we talked about that last time, how there were three basic deportations of the Jews, uh, one under King Jehoiakim. Daniel went in that deep, uh, de deportation. Eleven years later, under King Jehoiakim and Ezekiel and the ancestors of Mordecai and Esther went in that group, and along with 10,000 Jews. It was a huge deportation of exiles. And then one last one under King Zedekiah, or along with King Zedekiah, uh, went 11 years after that. Um, and the prophet Jeremiah almost went with them. He was chained up and got released and I talked about that last time. I'm not going to revisit that again this time. But that's kind of where we are. And now the king has ordered that 
uh, this is going back to that first deportation under King Jehoiakim. Uh, the king wanted some young men, good looking. What were some of their other qualities that he wanted? Elaine? Smart. Yeah, intelligent, wise, able to learn, and so forth and so forth. And then he wanted them to eat from the royal table. And Daniel's objection was that that's not kosher, basically. So Daniel uh, proposed to do things differently. And uh, the, the, um, the royal steward decided that's, that's okay if you're going to do that, but I'm only going to test you for 10 days. Daniel agreed to the 10-day test, or maybe it was actually his idea. It was. And, uh, but then they decided if you guys aren't looking all gaunt and hungry, you can keep eating your vegetables and drinking your water, and you don't have to eat the, 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 um, the, the pork and whatever other meat you're going to get and the wine that's been poured out to the gods of Babylon and, 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 and so forth. So we're now at verse 15, and that's where we're going to pick up. We're just going to try to finish this chapter and then move on into chapter 2. But at the end of 10 days, their appearance was noticeably better than that of the others. So not only were they not worse, they were actually better. How many of you went away from home and had to eat different food for a while? In the, in the beginning, did it go okay? You know, and when, when, I, when I first left home to go to DMLC back in the early 80s, um, the cooking was different. And I remember in the very beginning... Things were not going well for me digestively. You know, and I had to kind of get used to the new food after a while. But right in the very beginning, it wasn't, it wasn't great. The food was good and everything, but it just wasn't my dad's cooking, you know. Um, and so, you, you know, you, you just had to get used to it. And there were things, and, and I kind of wonder about, about these other young men, the ones who weren't friends with Daniel, and that they, you know, weren't looking the best. Well, maybe they hadn't gotten... A chance to get used to the new cooking yet, but um, as, as be that as it may, Daniel and his friends actually ended up getting healthier, looking healthier than they had before. So the superintendent uh, permanently took away the special royal food and the wine, and they were to drink, and gave them only vegetables. Um, and then I'm just going to ask this question because it came up a few years ago: the Daniel diet. Can you, I don't know if you didn't hear about this or not, or did hear about it, but are you a bit surprised with the, with the dieting fads that go around? Um, Daniel's diet, vegetables, and by vegetables and water, uh, the, word, the Hebrew word here for vegetables, and it is Hebrew, um, really is the word typically we associate with seeds of vegetables. So not necessarily the, the, the green pepper, but what falls out of it when you shake it? You know, uh, uh, so it could stand here for seeds, vegetables, fruit, even bread. Anything that's kind of not meat uh, could qualify here as being this, these vegetables. But then in water, I mean, agree or disagree, Daniel's diet would be wholesome and healthy diet for any Christian. I don't like the word any there um, for one thing 
there's virtually no fat in that diet, is there? And for protein of any kind to work in your body, you have to have certain fats for the body to process the protein. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything in your body. It just goes right through you um, if you're going to have protein of any kind. And, there are, and you know, nuts and certain other seeds also have, also have protein. And the word any here bothers me, but it did work for Daniel and his friends. But you want to say something, Marion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with you, but sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's important, but that that this uh, this diet of Daniel's as as like a recommended scriptural diet that that's not what's being done here in the passage, is it? This is simply a record of what they did, not of what we must do. That's the difference between. Two kinds of teaching in the Bible, prescriptive and descriptive. I don't know whether you've ever spoken to a Baptist, a Methodist, a Catholic uh, about your faith, but very likely they have never heard that there is a difference between prescriptive and descriptive teaching in the Bible. So maybe we should just make that clear. What do I mean by prescriptive teaching in the Bible? Elaine. I think that's descriptive. Yeah, it describes something. What is prescriptive teaching in the Bible? A command. Thou shalt or thou shalt not. That's prescriptive. Descriptive is just telling us what they did or didn't do. And just because a patriarch, oh, let's pick a patriarch. Let's take Jacob for a moment, okay? How many wives does the Bible describe Jacob taking? Well, you could argue two, you could argue four, right? Does that prescribe that a man should have four wives? No. Does it even say that that's okay with God? No, it doesn't. So arguments that, well, the Bible says that people did this, does not mean that the Bible says it's okay to do this. David sent one of his best friends to the front lines and had him killed. That doesn't mean that it's okay for that to happen, does it? Um, and, uh, and on and on and on and on. The, the, uh, what's wrong with, 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 with saying the Bible says it's so is that the Bible also describes many, many sins, doesn't it? Um, and they are not necessarily things that we should follow. Dan? Yeah. Um, Sure, they even invite the snakes to walk up. To yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I need to get across Lake Michigan quickly, should I drive over to Green Bay? and plummet my car into the water because God will divide the water if I have to get across. You know, and no, it, uh, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to meet a muskie if that happens. 
um, or a sturgeon or whatever else it is. Let's go on. As for those four young men, or these four young men, God gave them knowledge and insight into all kinds of literature, so they learned how to read Babylonian literature and, and how to understand it and how to work with it, as well as wisdom. In addition, Daniel also understood every kind of vision and dream. So the guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, got good at, at, at Babylonian literature in general. Daniel, in particular, got good at dreams. And there is, a, we're going to, in the next chapter, we're going to meet a new kind of Babylonian literature, a kind I don't think you've ever heard of. I'm going to be bold and say that out loud. Um, also, uh, in the evening class, I now have a sixth grader. How old would that be? Eleven? Is that about right? Who asked a great series of questions last week. He's keeping me on my toes. You should really come to the evening class sometime and just listen uh, to that young man. Um, uh, I've told him that someday when I die and he's the pastor who buries me, he should at least tell the congregation that I tried to answer all of his questions. Um, but uh, he asked me, how come if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are Aramaic names and Daniel is Hebrew, how come we use those names for those men and not either all Hebrew or all Aramaic? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I like that question. Yeah. What would your answer be? It's because we do, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at, at, that the only chapter where the four, where the where the three friends figure in, you know, in a, in a big way, we use their Aramaic names. But throughout the book, Daniel frequently says, "I, Daniel." So using his Hebrew name rather than his Aramaic name. So that was the answer I gave to, to Jameis was um, usually, I'm sorry, that, yeah, that young man, was uh, that we, we're, we, we, we meet these three men and we call them this and we meet Daniel and we call them that. But that's, that's why it goes. But, um, so at the end of the time which the king had set for them to be brought to him, the chief of the officials brought them before Nebuchadnezzar the king spoke with them, and none of the others were found to be comparable to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they served the king. That last sentence, um, I believe, is a little, little bit more, more specific than we might think it does. Because these counselors that the king had might have been sent off to the provinces to serve this or that governor. Does that make sense? He was training them in the royal facility, and then many of them would go out and, okay, now you're going to go serve in Medea, and you're going to serve over in Ephesus, and you're going to serve here and there. But Daniel and his friends didn't get an assignment like that. They served the king. So they got brought into the royal service. In every matter concerning wisdom and understanding that the king sought from them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and spell casters in his entire kingdom. Ten times is a big number, isn't it? I don't know. Is that I why do you think Daniel says ten times there? Daniel's pretty specific other times when he speaks. 
I think there's a reason why he says 10 times better here. That's, that's interesting. That it's like a superlative. Marilyn, did you have another one? No. Bev, did you? I saw a hand up over here. No? Could be. Could be. Yeah. Those are really good answers. That it could be like a superlative, like the best, or it could be um, the, uh, you know, like, like, like the most complete it could be. I kind of wondered if Daniel's just quoting Nebuchadnezzar. That's just the way the king talked. So he could be just, the, the king said that. You guys are just ten times better. And so Daniel says the king found them to be ten times better. You know, that's, that's you know, what kind of trouble am I going to get in if I just quote the administrator himself? You know, depends on how crazy the administrator might happen to be. And Nebuchadnezzar is a guy that you might have to tread carefully with. We're going to see that in the next chapter as we get there. So Daniel remained there in the king's service until the first year of King Cyrus. And this is a long, long time. Daniel was in exile for roughly 70 years. So a very long time. And uh, probably in his middle 80s. At that time, when in the in the third in the first year of King Cyrus, so Daniel was there a long time. That's why I kind of think Daniel was maybe in his mid-teens when he got carried away, and he stayed there seventy years. So he's in his mid-eighties. Yeah, you've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Ulm, Minnesota.